Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Tan and welcome to Providence Money Wisdom, an original podcast inspired by my book Money Wisdom, Simple Truths for Financial Wellness. In this podcast, I'll be sharing simple financial truths to guide you in navigating through the minefields of misinformation and false promises in order to achieve financial security and peace of mind. Realizations of a Wealth Advisor This episode serves as a follow-up to the previous one. When I wrote in November 2004 on why one should use term insurance instead of whole life plans, I never expected the article to create such a great interest and furor among practitioners in the finance industry. In the following two months, I received letters, emails, forum threads and phone calls expressing their opinions. Many advisors also wrote articles on the same topic to express their views. While some financial advisors wish my firm Provident would somehow disappear from the face of this earth for rocking the boat, many clients, members of the public from as far as US and people from the financial fraternity expressed their appreciation of our honest opinions. And since we were the ones who started the topic, I thought it would only be appropriate for us to clarify some misconceptions which had surfaced as a result of our article. Limited resources, unlimited needs. All of us have a plethora of financial needs, insurance for protection, investments for our retirement and kids' education, paying our mortgages, car loans and so on. But our resources are limited. If a male aged 35 who needs to provide his family with a monthly income of $3,000 for 20 years meets an untimely demise, he will need about $600,000 cover for his family. If he intends to retire at age 65, well, I've done a table that is on my book to show the comparison for the various types of plans. Let me try and explain it. And if you want to see the table, unfortunately, you've got to get the book to take a look at it. So let's say you buy a term plan till age 65 years old. The estimated premium for 600000 cover would be about $1,000. If you buy a whole life instead, it would be about $4,500 that you have to pay for the next 25 years because this is a limited pay whole life. If you instead buy a whole life multiplier, that will cost you about $7,900 for the next 25 years. So you can see the difference in terms of the premiums. The truth is, how many can afford paying more than $7,900 to $14,500 per year just to cover his individual death needs? In the example that I gave, we have not even considered his medical, spouse and children's insurance needs yet. We can discuss all the merits of whole life with cash values and so on, but if we cannot even fully cover our basic needs, what's the point? With term plans, we can afford to fully cover our needs. So use insurance for the right purpose, which is protection. And about temporary and permanent needs. But term plans are temporary. It will cease after a certain period. So when you need insurance most, you don't have it. Well, this is a common statement by proponents of whole life plans. 
But let's look at some of the common protection needs and whether they are permanent or temporary. In the book Money Wisdom that I wrote, I put it all down in a table and I'll try and explain it and read it in this podcast and I hope I will be clear. But it becomes clear that most of our protection needs are temporary with the exception of perhaps providing for hospitalization cost and maybe say alternative medicine which is really not a high priority need for everyone. Insuring against high hospitalization costs can be done effectively using a good hospitalization and surgical plan that pays from the first dollar of cost you incur. If you need cover for alternative medicine in the event of a critical illness, you may wish to buy a small whole life for that. So let me try and read and explain the table. And well, if you want to see the table, unfortunately again, you have to, or rather unfortunately again, you would have to get a book to take a look at it. So types of needs. Replacement of income due to death and total permanent disability of income earner. Well, this would be a temporary need. We need it only for a period of time. It is a high priority planning need for most people. But if you are buying insurance for the replacement of income due to diagnosis of dread disease of income earner, well, it is also a temporary need and it is also a higher priority planning need for most people. If you are buying insurance to pay for alternative medicine and care for one who suffers from dread disease, well, it is a permanent need and you will need this kind of insurance for as long as you live. Well, in this case, you will need to buy a whole life, but only if we want this as an option and have a conviction in alternative medicine. If you are buying insurance to pay off liabilities, such as mortgage, well, it is a temporary need. You only need it for a period of time. And for most people, I would say this is a higher priority planning need for the people who has a house. Funding children's education, even after demise. Well, this is a temporary need. We only need it for a period of time. And again, for most people, this would be a higher priority planning need. Well, if you're buying insurance for legacy planning and gifting, well, it is a permanent need because you do not know when you're going to go. But this is usually done by the more affluent and not a first priority planning need for most of us. Well, if you have got special needs children and you want to take care of them, well, this can be temporary or permanent. But, well, for most of us, we do not have children with special needs. If you're buying insurance to provide for alternative medicine and care for children in the event if they are diagnosed with a dread disease, well, yes, it is a permanent need, but you only want this as an option and has conviction in alternative medicine. If you are buying insurance for the purpose of replacement of a key man in the organization, it is a temporary need. We only need it for a period of time. But the point is most of us are not key men in organization. And even if you need it, the company will buy it for you. Now, if you are buying insurance to fund a buy-sell agreement contract between business partners, it can be temporary or permanent. But most of us are not in business and do not need this kind of planning. So as you can see, for most of us, our needs for insurance is a temporary need and there is no real need for whole life. 
Now, let me talk about level premiums. In letters to the Business Times by the directors of two financial advisory companies after my article on term insurance was published, it was interesting to observe that both of their understanding of premiums with regard to whole life and term plans contradicted one another. One said that when you buy a whole life plan, its cash values act as excess premium, which is required to keep the premium constant during the lifetime of the insured. However, the other director when referring to term policy, though there are no cash values, said that it is possible to keep premium constant as there is pre-funding where the excess premium is invested so that this reserve can be used to fund higher premiums in later years. Now, I know all this sounds really technical and I may not be as clear over a podcast, but let me help clarify that it is not important to know how insurance companies keep their premiums level, but rather for readers or for listeners to this podcast, it is enough to know that whether whole life, participating or non-participating, or term policies, premiums are kept constant during the period of cover. So there is no fear that when you buy term insurance, your premium will keep going up as you get older. About whole life non-par plans, which you don't see them nowadays. A whole life non-participating plan, which does not give the policyholder the right to share in surplus earnings and therefore does not confer the right to receive a dividend payment is akin to a term insurance plan. It gives you a fixed cover of, say, 600000 without bonus for your period of cover. However, if you surrender the policy at a certain point in time, you can get back your premiums plus certain guaranteed returns. You enjoy no dividends. Of course, nothing is for free. The premiums are a lot higher than term plans. Although it is tempting to get something back when we surrender a policy, buying it for this purpose commits two fundamental errors. Firstly, you may never be able to cover your whole life or your rather your whole family with that kind of premiums. Even if you can, you leave very little for your other financial needs. And secondly, if most of your needs are temporary, why commit to a whole life plan in the first place? So there is also something ironic about non-participating plans. When an individual buys such a plan, he needs to be very clear whether he is buying it to protect a permanent need or a temporary need. If he is convinced that he has a permanent need and does not intend to surrender the policy anytime soon, he must be aware that when he eventually makes a claim, he will lose all cash values and only get a fixed cover. In this case, he effectively pays more but gets the same benefits as term plans. If his needs are temporary and he intends to surrender at some point in time, where does he pay so much for a whole life plan in the first place when he can get the same cover at a lower cost by simply using a term plan? Is this not an irony? Well, like I said, thankfully today, no insurer offers whole life non-participating plans anymore. Thus, a basic principle in considering a plan is know your needs and buy the most appropriate plan. Now, about insurance being a low-risk instrument for investing, which I'm sure many of us would have heard of, or you have salespeople pitching you this idea. Well, at the original time of this writing, 
the book, as I mentioned, most insurance companies use 5.25% per annum as benchmark projected returns. The benefit illustration documents of whole life plans also stated a possible projected yield of 6.75%. Of course, in this time and age in 2022, you cannot find this kind of projection anymore. But point here is this. Insurance companies may take a much higher risk to achieve the projected returns for policyholders. However, after deducting the distribution cost, which a lot of it is commissions, the actual return, depending on when you surrender the policy, can be as low as 1% or an average 3-4% to per annum. But, well, these numbers are back in those days. The low return may give the perception that it is a low-risk vehicle when in fact it is caused by the cost of distribution. So, let's get this right. The low return that you are getting from insurance is not because it's low risk. It is because net of all the costs that you pay, the returns are low. Well, incidentally, insurers have reduced their projected returns over the years. And as of 2019, insurers used 325 to 4.75% per annum for their projected returns. And at the point of updating this article, the highest projection rate was 5.25% per annum. Well, suffice it to say that the rates or rather the returns have been dropping. Even as I speak, well, the projection rates have come down, have fallen even further. In the past, portions of cash values came with a certain guarantee due to regulatory requirements. However, with the ushering in of the new risk-based capital regulatory regime, this requirement has been removed. Although insurance companies continue to offer certain guarantees on cash values, consumers need to know that insurers have no obligation to continue doing so when they roll out new products in the future. But more importantly, people should know that the advantage of insurance lies not in the returns but in the protection it gives for a relatively small premium. It is encouraging to see that insurance companies that well, we represent are continuously developing excellent term plans for our clients. While the two months following my article of 2004 in the Business Times had not been easy, I take comfort that readers got to learn about different types of plans. Individuals deserve an objective and authentic financial education, one that helps them to make informed choices based on their needs and financial capability. Today, my team and I continue our journey to educate many in the rudiments and scope of the myriad plans available in the market. And even at this point of this podcast, more and more consumers are understanding the merits, the benefits of buying low-cost term plans. Thank you for tuning in to Providence Money Wisdom. I will be back soon with the next episode. For more information on my book or Providence services, kindly visit Provident.com. I'll see you the next time. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation 
particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.